Welcome to the 39th episode of Dialogica, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tangkilisan. And I'm Sweden Lee. So Stephanie's not going to be in this week's episode because she's in the middle of finals in journalism school. And you do not want to hear a sleep-deprived and completely exhausted Stephanie giving her all the love and support so that she make it through her first semester in grad school. Go Stephanie. <laughs> but she is... But yeah, so she's not going to be on this episode, but... We are super excited to have back on the show uh, our great friend and former guest of the podcast, Kate Walton, who we talked to almost more than a year now on um, the emerging feminist scene and as well as her project, Menghitung Pembunuhan Perempuan, or Counting Dead Women, which covers the systemic violence against women happening in Indonesia. So we're super excited to talk to her about 2017, about the state of affairs when it comes to Indonesian feminism, some of the positive things that have happened for the cause, but also some of the negative things. And, you know, what can we do to help support the feminist cause in Indonesia? And we're really excited to have her. And I think it's a great way to um, look into closing out the year in our second to last episode. And yeah, so here's to Kate. Do you mind like introducing yourself to our listeners who might not have heard from you in the past? Sure. So uh, my name is Kate Walton. I am an Australian who has been living and working in Indonesia for the last six years, uh, most of that in Jakarta. Um, I am the inadvertent founder of a feminist group um, called the Jakarta <laughs> Feminist Discussion Group, um, which over the last few years has uh, move from an online-only movement into a real-world movement. And I'm also the uh, project coordinator for a little project called Menghitung Pembunuhan Perempuan, which is Counting Dead Women Indonesia. So 2017 has been a long and difficult year, not just in Indonesia, but also globally. But I'm curious to hear what are your thoughts about what has happened throughout the year for feminist issues in Indonesia and kind of like a wrap-up of what the year's been like because so many things have happened that it might be nice to kind of take a step back and look back at both things that have happened positively and contributed to feminism in Indonesia, but also some of the setbacks. Yeah, I think 2017 has been really interesting. Um, one of the most interesting aspects, I think, has been the re-emergence of a global solidarity towards women's issues, um, mm -hmm. obviously starting with Women's March in the US, which spread globally, and we ran our own Women's March here in Jakarta with about uh, almost a 1,000 participants in March. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that's very um, quite new in a way because we're looking at conversations like the Me Too discussions. People here in Indonesia are now starting to uh, look at issues of sexual harassment uh, within the country. And this is all sparked because of international conversations and movements. So I think 
that's been one of the most uh, fascinating elements of 2017, that this global solidarity has really come uh, to the forefront and has been uh, yeah. influencing movements on the ground as well as uh, discussions. Um, but, yeah, like you say, there's also been some really unfortunate incidents in uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, the young or the new feminist movement in Indonesia is very much uh, aligned with other movements, so, uh, particularly with movements for pluralism um, and for mm-hmm. tolerance in Indonesia. So, the, for example, obviously the uh, jailing of Ahok, the attack on El Beha, um, a lot of this has yeah. had a big influence on the movement as well. Um, and I think people are very concerned about the future as to how much movement there will be for organizations and communities to speak out about such issues. That's interesting. I remember like one of the landmark events for um, the feminist groups in Indonesia was the Women's March back in March which kind of feels like a long time ago now. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> but, you know, you know, that happened. And I think that was also such a moment of reckoning for the Indonesian public that there is this many voices that are wanting to come out and speak on behalf of women. Do you think that has helped or deterred sort of like the attention given to the feminist cause? Yeah, I think it's absolutely helped, particularly in attracting younger people who haven't been involved in uh, movements or volunteer uh, organizations before. It's really helped to illustrate that there are a lot of issues um, that do need our work and that we do need to come together to actually work on them. Um, and I think that's been really good. We've had a lot of um, new people becoming interested in, in joining the movement since then. We haven't had a lot of backlash from it. There was some concern. That's good. Yeah, it is good. There was some concern <laughs> with a bit of the um, the language that we had to be careful about. So using the word feminist, referring to LGBT issues, we were careful in how we speak about such topics. But sadly, you know, we did also have a lot of people refuse to participate because one of our eight demands, as you know, was to do with LGBT uh, rights. And that still indicates that there is a lack of coordination between different elements of the movement and also within the public, that people are still unable to connect uh, the importance of one kind of rights with other kinds of rights. So, for example, that uh, LGBT rights also are very important for women's rights because it's all about our sexualities, our bodies, our freedoms. Um, and uh, unfortunately, there is a lack of connection still within the public to some of those issues. It's very much a case of not only educating the government, but also educating the mass public right, about these issues and how intersectional they need to be. Because otherwise, we can't just pick and choose the kind of issues we want to support and leave uh, their vulnerable people behind. Absolutely. And I think that's really what a lot of the newer feminist and newer women's groups are trying to do is focusing on public education and awareness raising. You know, there are wonderful groups uh, already working on policy advocacy and trying to influence decision makers and policy makers um, and also in providing services. So I think what uh, we're really trying to do is fill that gap in terms of reaching out to the public and, and helping educate people on the importance of such issues. Yeah. I also want to touch on another important event that happened in 2017, the Feminist Fest back in August. Okay. That was also a big event in Jakarta that celebrated women's issues. And I think contrasting that with like the Women's March, which I think is much more of an act of solidarity, an act of showing up for women's issues in such a public space, as opposed to the Feminist Fest, which I think is 
I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, you are one of the organizers. It's much more of an education and advocacy event. How has that helped the women's movement and how have you seen the reactions to that? Yeah, you're right. It is uh, was more really aimed at education um, and awareness raising. I think the main impact from it has been to help bring the existing feminist movement and the women's movement that sort of from the 1990s with the current younger generation. It's helped to bring people together. Um, you know, we've talked to a lot of young people who have no idea that there's actually a lot of women's organizations that do exist, uh, aside from Comnas Brompoan, which people know about, yeah. but they don't know that there are movements like Kapal Brompoan or Solidaritas Brompoan that are doing really excellent work on advocating for women's issues and providing services. So I think the, the great thing about Feminist Fest was it was able to bring those two different groups together. Um, and to show people that there is this existing movement we can get involved with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had some really great support from senior women's activists like uh, Nushabani Kachasunkarna and uh, and a number of other feminists who are really keen to see the young movement growing and, and blossoming. So I think that was really nice to show that the movement is also continuing so that uh, people don't have to feel pessimistic or uh, tired, that things might not have been achieved as much as they had been hoping that there is a generation that is continuing it. Has it been difficult or easy to connect people who are interested in women's issues across the wide swath of Indonesia together? I wouldn't say it's been easy, but it is easier now with technology and social media. You know, it makes it a lot easier to reach out to different organizations and different individuals across the country. But I still think that's something that a lot of movements really fall down on. Uh, they are very local focused. Um, and But I think it's actually important to try and uh, connect the different movements and, and to get people supporting them across the country and also internationally. But I, I think there's still a lot of work to be done there. And we do have to remember that everyone has their local issues, but sometimes it is very effective to work uh, across the country to support each other. It is a delicate balancing act. Trying to respect their local issues, but also, if possible, the opportunity to elevate their issues so that we can get more attention. Definitely. And I think that's done. the key is it's about elevating rather than talking over or dominating that conversation. We have to try mm-hmm. and support each other without trying to uh, to steer the action. Going back to the Feminist Fest, what are your thoughts about the future of it and what, what's next for the event and you know, other supporting organizations? So the, the first Feminist Fest was really a very broad um, education event, um, trying to introduce a lot of new people to issues of feminism and gender who maybe um, have an interest but haven't really studied that much about them or, or been very involved. Um, I think in the future, there was a lot of feedback that we could make thematic events and have more of a dedicated topic for future Feminist Fests. Mm-hmm. At the moment, we're planning on doing the Feminist Fest every two years, simply because mm-hmm. it does require a lot of a lot of work in organization. 
and we're worried about burnout and people getting too tired if we do it every year. Of so course. our thinking at the moment will be to hold Women's March every year around International Women's Day and then Feminist Fest every two years. Um, there is also a bit of discussion about the possibility of doing a, a type of Feminist Fest roadshow to a number of smaller towns around Indonesia. We have um, some interest from different cities, places like Cirebon, Yogyakarta, Tasik oh. Malaya, um, different places who would like us to bring events there, which I think could be a really great way of trying to broaden the movement as well, particularly because I think that's probably our weak point at the moment is reaching out to new people who aren't online necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to improve on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're having big planning media about the future of the organization to turn it into an association, what our real vision and mission is, what we're really trying to aim to do. Because as you know, so far, it's very reactive, um, quite ad hoc, what we're actually doing. Um, and it's been successful, but I think we could do better if we have more of an actual vision of what we want to achieve. And it's certainly more sustainable, right? Like, Hopefully one day we'll get to be in a political environment that doesn't require us to be fighting all the time. But we should all, you know, we should be not just reactive. That is the dream. <laughs> it seems almost like 2017, there was a certain transition point and a turning point for progressive politics when Aho was jailed and Anis and Sandy came into power. I just feel like the tone of what can happen has changed dramatically. And I don't know if you feel the same way. Oh, I definitely do. And I think most people do. Um, I think on, on one hand, it has had a positive impact in that it has uh, sort of woken people up to the extreme consequences that can actually occur out of the current political discourse. Um, and I think yeah. it, it shocked some people into action. We're seeing a lot more people now trying to become involved in issues relating to politics, pluralism, tolerance, uh, because they were so shocked with that, that Ahok was actually jailed. Um, but on the other hand, the, the right wing of politics has also become much more active um, and is continuing to push its agenda, even though their supposed aim has already been achieved. Yes. Now they're just, they're going to come up with another agenda just to fight another fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a lot of what's happened in 2017. What are your thoughts about like what's 2018 going to be like, you think? Going into, the, I guess, the first full year of Anis Andi, another year closer to presidential elections. I'm kind of curious to see what your thoughts are. I think the leading up to the presidential elections is really going to dominate the discussion, uh, going to dominate a lot of uh, political decisions as well. We don't really know who's going to be standing for president, uh, obviously, aside from Jokowi at the moment. There's, you know, there's talk whether Prabowo will stand again, um, but, you know, he's starting mm -hmm. to get a little old and people are suggesting maybe he, <laughs> he might not be interested in trying to run. There's yeah. also talk that maybe Anis could even be standing. You know, the mm -hmm. Jakarta gubernatorial uh, position is now becoming a real stepping point since Jokowi to the presidency. Oh, man, that's not... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think this is going to be the main issue. Um, we'll also be looking at potentially Ahok coming out of jail over the next 18 months as well. We'll see what will happen with him. Mm -hmm. On women's issues, I think the global uh, discussion will still continue to influence what's happening in Indonesia. We're seeing, you know, the influence of, of Weinstein and Trump and on still playing a really yes. significant role in Indonesia simply because of the way global news is now being delivered. So I think it's going to be an interesting year. I'm not 
particularly optimistic about it. But that said, like our whole conversation has been talking about, there are a lot of uh, young, interested people who are trying to make a difference at the moment. Um, and I think we just have to make sure that everyone stays involved, doesn't get burned out and too tired because it's still a, still a long fight as always. I feel like when we were in this position last year in 2016, you know, that was the time of the Axi Duasatudua, the FBA march against AHA, and Trump just won the election in the state. So I think that was also a deeply troubling times. But, you know, I feel strangely, I wouldn't say optimistic, but it is kind of comforting to hear that, like, even in a year that I thought was going to be a really difficult year for progressive politics and issues, a lot of things has happened globally, and it's exciting. Yeah, and I so, think that, that's really interesting because you're right. I think this time last year, everyone was in shock, both globally and within yeah. Indonesia. There was a lot of uh, yeah. dismay and pessimism at the direction things were going in. But fortunately, because of that, as I was saying, people have woken up and realized that so much of what we're fighting for is under serious threat. Um, so it has led to a lot of good outcomes, uh, less so on, on the policy level, but at the grassroots level, um, there have been a lot of changes. So as long as we can keep that momentum going, then, you know, we could potentially achieve a lot in 2018. But we still need to really get into the, the policy level for that to have a real impact. Um, otherwise, people are going to get tired um, and it's yeah. we're not going to achieve anything. You know, it's like... Um, I remember in Australia when, when I was in, in high school and we used to attend all the anti-war marches against the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war, um, they just didn't have an effect at all on a policy level. And there was this period after that where there were basically no protests, no marches for quite a while because the Australian public could see that that was not having an effect on politics. So I really mm -hmm. hope we don't end up in a similar situation. Um, I hope that we can continue that momentum. All right, I want to switch gear a little bit and talk about Manghitong Pambunan Perempuan. If you haven't heard about this project, you should listen to our previous episode with Kate. <laughs> So I started this um, little project called Manghetong Pembunuhan Perempuan, or Counting Dead Women for Indonesia. I started in March 2016, but the project was sort of backdated to January 2016. And the aim is to record as many cases of murder or uh, manslaughter of women as possible uh, within Indonesia so that we can see a more complete picture of what violence against women in Indonesia is really like. So the aim mm -hmm. is to try and explore whether there are links between cases. Systematically, you know, we see the same sorts of reasons coming up why men are killing women. And it is mostly men that are killing women. Um, why are men killing women? And generally the sorts of reasons, in inverted commas, that are, the men provide are uh, their wives aren't serving them properly, they're not uh, sexually serving them as well, they're not being obedient, there are often uh, jealousy is a big one. Mm -hmm. uh, men are jealous if their wives are spending time with another man or uh, even if they, you know, talk to their male neighbor on very innocent uh, topics. Um, so these are the same sorts of things that come up over and over again. It seems like it's such an ingrained part of uh, the patriarchal thinking in Indonesia. It's like seeped down via both like religious channels, but also just like social channels and, you know, the cultural 
touchstones that people have been referencing are all about like, oh, you need to be obedient to your husband or to your father or to your brother. So there's it's this male entitlement towards women's bodies and also women's actions, whether that is serving a cup of tea or having intimate relations. This isn't even in marital relations a lot of the time. It's young like kids, essentially. They're 15, 16, um, and the boys feel that they have this, you know, control or this right to their girlfriends or their crushes bodies and actions so you know it shows that it's really developed in in boys from a very young age if they're 15 year olds this is what they are doing to their girlfriends it's not something that people are learning as they enter into marriage which really shows that we need to be talking about this in schools parents need to be talking about this with their children there needs to be a much broader discourse on it and starting from a young age we need to teach people what a healthy relationship looks like um, and what they should really be aiming for in those relationships do you think in this year of emerging young feminists of all different kinds of backgrounds and spaces. Do you think there has been a general increase in terms of men who identify as feminists and sort of trying to participate in that space and help out as much as possible? I think there has. Um, I think there are more men who are willing to identify as feminists and and to become part of uh, the movement for women's rights. They also recognize that there are going to be benefits for men as well in the feminist movement. Um, But there is still an awful lot of backlash. You know, a a lot of men really do not understand what the women's rights movement is about and feel very threatened by it as well. But I think we have a lot of work in terms of pulling in young men to the movement and trying to explain why it is important to them. And that takes an awful lot of work because it's... uh, You really have to start from from nil in a lot of places because people do have these very sort of toxic ideas that are uh, embedded in how they view society and how they view women's position. Um, so it, ta- mm-hmm. it takes a lot of work. So this is why we need people like yourself, Sweden, to uh, take up the feminist mantle and help bring other men into the into their movements as well. Yeah, totally. Like men, myself included, we need to step up and do better because we shouldn't be expecting our female feminist friends to do our job, especially because one of the best things that men can do is talk in that male-to-male space, right? That especially in a society like Indonesia can be incredibly prohibitive for women of different kinds of backgrounds. You know, I totally agree. And I think in this day and age, it's almost incredulous to say like you're for progressive values, for pluralism, and not say that you also support women's issues. I think that's hypocrisy. Yeah, and it's funny you say that. On the Facebook group for Jakarta Feminist, uh, we we have questions that people have to answer to get in to to make sure that people are interested in feminism. Um, And we often get comments, particularly from men, but also from women, which shows that this is a, a more complex issue than one might expect. They say, oh, yes, uh, I support women's issues, but I'm not one of those over-the-top feminists. Whatever that means. <laughs> oh, it's over-the-top to- over feminism. Like, oh, okay, gosh, am I one of those? You know, so it shows that there is this gap between um, the and a gap in understanding of what feminism actually is and what women's rights are because mm-hmm. people will say, oh, yes, I support equality, but I don't support feminism. Or, yes, I support equality, but I'm not a feminist. So we still have a lot of uh, education to do on what 
feminism and what women's rights uh, really mean. Since it is the end of the year, and this is going to be our second to last episode of uh, 2017, what do you think are some good organizations for people both in Indonesia and abroad to support in order to fight for feminist causes? Um, I mean, there's there's so many. Obviously, globally, uh, organizations like UNFPA do really wonderful work supporting mm-hmm. women's rights across the world. Um, one of my favorite international organizations is the International Women's Development Association, which is IWDA. It's based out of Australia. They work a lot in Southeast Asia and the Pacific uh, to run women's empowerment programs. And it's one of the few organizations that has a that really defines themselves as a feminist. Uh, development agency, which is wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah, they do really great work. Um, so internationally, I would yeah. really recommend IWDA um, as a, an organization mm-hmm. which would do wonderful things with your donations. Within Indonesia, there are many, many organizations um, which could would do great work as well. One of the ones that we're really supporting at the moment is uh, LBH APIC, which is the Women's Legal mm-hmm. Aid Organization. Um, they provide a lot of excellent services for survivors of, of sexual violence and violence against women um, and do great advocacy work as well. Um, they provide a lot of pro bono support for women trying to go through the courts, which is mm-hmm. something that's quite rare. Um, and obviously going through the courts can be a very expensive process for women. I think obviously in America, those organizations doing great work. The American Civil Liberties mm-hmm. Union, ACLU, is uh, absolutely crucial yeah. to a lot of the legal fights, both on, both on feminist issues and uh, other key problems we're seeing, such as relating to immigration, both globally and within mm-hmm. America. Um, you know, so I think those would probably be some of my key recommendations. Uh, obviously, we also accept donations at the Jakarta Feminist Discussion Group. If anyone wants to wants to donate, we would be very happy to receive your support. We are a totally volunteer-run organization, um, and even, you know, a few rupiah makes a big difference to us. Totally. And we will definitely provide our listeners the resources to connect with these organizations and make the donation if you want to. And in the spirit of what has been a long fight, it's always great to give back a little bit and support those who are in the thick of it, in the front lines, like you, Kate, and other people in these different organizations. Yeah, and I think that's really important too. The one-off donations do make uh, a big difference, uh, particularly at key times when we are reacting to certain issues. Um, but I think it's also important to consider whether people can uh, are able to make regular donations and regular commitments to organizations. Uh, even $5 a month to a certain organization uh, can make a big difference in terms of planning and organization for upcoming uh, events or activities. Um, and that's something that's really important to consider. If you can do that, to make a regular commitment really helps. Couldn't have put it better myself. Uh, well, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on our episode again. And we always love having you on our episode, even though this time Stephanie can't make it. But it's always great. No, it's a shame. Not Can't talk to Stephanie this time. But thank you for having me. It's always uh, really good to talk to you. And, you know, it's it's nice to be in the, the second last episode for the year. And 
um, yeah, I hope you have a really good break over the holidays as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!